Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. One at a time. If the risk is so low outdoors, why doesn't this new guidance apply to everybody? Because the science indicates that the most certain way to make sure it doesn't spread if both people have been vaccinated, the people you're with, and you're outside. And you chose to wear a mask, sir. You chose to wear a mask. You chose to wear a mask as you walked out here. What message were you sending by wearing a mask outside alone? By watching me take it off and not put it back on to like it inside. Do you have any preconditions before meeting with Vladimir Putin? I'll discuss that all another day. Thank you. AstraZeneca, will you make it faster to get for them to get the vaccine? The vaccines we will get soon. India, they're suffering at what this moment. What do you moment. say to the folks in will India? You make it- I'm sorry. I'm going to just the last question I'll take, and I'm really going to be in trouble. Thank and you. congratulations. And not to embarrass you, you got married. I did, yes. Well, thank congratulations. Welcome back. Thank right. you. Thank you, Jen. Um, about those facilities, there was a report in the last couple of days in the New York Post that every migrant child being brought to a shelter is being given a copy of her children's book, Superheroes Are Everywhere. Do you know why that is and if she is making any money off of that? Of the president, of the vice, the vice president's book, yeah. I'd have to check with our uh, health and human services team. If uh, you're talking about if they go to shelters or if they go to. Yeah, and the welcome kit, apparently, there's a copy of her 2019 children's book, Superheroes Are Everywhere. I'd have to certainly check on that. Here, it's a good book. And then, <laughs> and then I've got one more. Um, why was President Biden the only world leader at the climate summit Zoom who was wearing a mask? Uh, because he is sending a message to the world that he... There's no possible justification for having 100 rounds in a weapon. What do you think, deer wearing Kevlar vests? Today, shoes are being taught that the color of their skin defines them again. And if they look a certain way, they're an oppressor. From colleges to corporations to our culture, people are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress at all. By doubling down on the divisions, we've worked so hard to heal. You know this stuff is wrong. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. What also struck me was that this was not a message that was a Donald Trump message at all. He was not speaking to the base of the party, except in one area where he was refusing to give uh, Joe Biden any credit on COVID-19. He said the tide had already turned on COVID-19 when um, 
when Biden became president. And of course, everybody understands that Operation Warp Speed happened under Joe Biden. But we know that they give Joe Biden a lot of credit uh, for competency on what he did about getting vaccines into arms. And let me state, I misstated it earlier. Donald Trump uh, gets uh, credit for Operation Warp Speed. I have a bit of insight into how some Americans felt about President Biden's speech to Congress. CBS News Director of Elections and Surveys Anthony Salvanto joins me now. Hi there, Anthony. So how have Americans been responding to the president's address? Hey there, Elaine. You all were talking about the president's polling in the last uh, segment. So that was, a, that was a very nice segue here uh, because we have some new polling. <laughs> what we did was we talked to <laughs> we talked to a, a sample, a representative sample of the audience nationwide who watched the speech and they liked what they heard. We got 85 percent approving of the speech. Now, I, I've got to add right off the bat here that as is typical with presidential speeches, a lot of his own partisans made up the bulk of the audience. So this audience mm. was majority Democrats watching it. And, you know, for context, back when President Trump was giving speeches, a lot of Republicans watched those. So that's you've got to know that behind these numbers. But that said, the audience said that they liked what they heard. And then how did they describe it? Well, this is a word we found in other polling. And again, in this one, people using to, to describe Joe Biden, presidential, uh, caring in this case. They thought the speech Many thought the speech was inspiring. And then this one, folks have been talking about where his plans, you know, big, uh, were the things that people wanted. And this word bold. President Biden delivers his first address to Congress, laying out a bold plan to rebuild the country. The president of the United States offering a bold new plan. Big, bold, huge progressive ideas. Big and bold, really bold, sweeping legislation. Big, bold, ambitious plans. We've been talking uh, over these last few moments about how bold these plans are, how ambitious they are. Perhaps the most ambitious progressive agenda since LBJ or even Franklin Roosevelt. Like FDR or LBJ. It is either Johnsonian or Rooseveltian. This certainly was a joint address like we have never seen before. The president, though, seizing this moment to outline his sweeping, ambitious agenda. President Biden laying out ambitious plans to Congress. Ambitious in scope, intimate in tone. He was whispering at times. The president also laying out his ambitious. 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 Ambitious agenda. An ambitious agenda for the future. $4 trillion in spending, that's really ambitious. Ambitious, uh, but may ultimately prove very popular. It's, it's a very popular plan, according to our poll. Uh, a lot of the things that are in those spending packages are incredibly popular. Given that... And welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast. It is the 30th of April, year of our Lord, 2021. What an intro. Let's break it down to make sure we don't miss any of the good stuff. We got Biden being asked why he wore a mask. That pissed off a lot of CNN people. Uh, we have him saying he's not in charge. I'm going to get in trouble. The media fawning because he gave a dandelion to his wife, Jen, Jen Psaki. Congratulations on being a mar uh, getting married, but you're from Fox News, so I am a total cunt bag. Uh, him once again talking about that you can repeal slavery and make sure women don't vote because uh, no amendments are that important. Tim Scott being the first person I could honestly say in my entire life who gave a rebuttal speech that was better than the pre-speech. It makes me want to vote for Tim Scott for POTUS. 
I mean, I like the guy, but I never heard him do a full-fledged speech, and that was amazing. Gloria Borger on CNN, rewriting history, and then catching it because somebody told her afterwards, you got to correct that. But then she still does the same shit that Biden did everything and Trump did nothing on COVID because it's a narrative they must continue that doesn't really exist. It's not true, but that's okay. CBS coming up with 85% of the people like it. I played that whole thing because I want to preface that when we start going through the numbers. That's a total lie. And then just a snippet of the media orgasm that we will play today. In reference to what we knew they'd say, it is the greatest speech ever. It was a unity speech talking about policies that only 18% of the country wants. And if you don't agree with it, you're a racist. But before I get into it, because it's a long show today, I stumbled across something. And it's NASCAR related, but it's one of the best little things I've read. And it comes from Michael McDowell. And NASCAR came out and told people that he'd really like them to start, you know, talking about inoculations. Because, you know, they're not going to go fight the concept that it's actually more minorities that aren't getting the vaccination. They're going to go with the media narrative that it's Trumpers. You know, forgetting the history that the left said they wouldn't take the test uh, or the inoculation because um, Trump made it. I was actually our vice president said that, but we're going to pretend that didn't happen because that's what we do. We rewrite history. And his response to this is amazing. And the question was about the inoculations, you know, NASCAR wants you guys to talk about. <clears throat> I appreciate the question, he said. With so much that's gone on over the last couple of years, and with social media being somewhat polarizing, the election being polarizing, and just all the events of the pandemic and racial injustice and all the things that have gone over the last two years, it's very easy to get mixed up in it and mixed up in the good and bad, however you want to look at it. At the beginning of this year, I sat down with my team, and I sat down with Bob Jenkins, our owner, and we just agreed that we're a race team. That's what we do. We race. This is not a political platform for us. This is not for us to have agendas or try to encourage people to do things how we do or vice versa. We're a race team. We're going to talk about racing. So that's how I've kept it. When it comes to those things, I'm just going to talk about race, racing because that's what I am, a race car driver. In my house and in my family, we have these conversations and we talk about it and things about it for me as it, that it shouldn't be so divisive. And I don't want to be part of it being divisive. That's not what I'm about. I'm a race car driver. You got people that are anti this and pro this, and it's not that I'm trying to avoid the question. I'm just going to talk about racing because that's what I do. I feel a lot of times athletes, they feel like they have this platform to have a voice, and there's too many voices out there. There's just too many voices. I mean, you guys see it every day. Everybody's got an opinion. For me, who I am is a follower of Christ. That's who I am. I'm not a pro-vaccinator. I'm not an anti-vaccinator. I'm a follower of Christ. So the reason I use my platform to share that is because that's who I am. It's what's important to me. Whether you're vaccinated or not is not important to me currently because I'm not a doctor or a scientist or a biologist. There are a lot of people that are telling you lots of different things. But for me, sharing my faith is important because that's who I am. I'm not a doctor, not a scientist. I'm a race car driver. It's fantastic. It is one of the most fantastic things. <laughs> Tim Scott and him, who I don't like, you know, I didn't like. I, well, it's not like I disliked him, but it isn't like, oh, Michael Medell, what a great guy. I just, you know, he's not my driver. What a great reply. There should be less voices. <laughs> Just less 
voices. We have so much narrative right now, and I don't know if I grabbed it or not. No. Let me see. Uh, I know it's over my face. Work with me for a second. No, no, no. That's not it. Uh, Yeah, no. That's too bad. I didn't grab it, but Molly Hemingway talked about it, and um, I agree 100%. Quite the capture this morning of that stupid dandelion. She says it's so, so, so subtle, but if you're really paying attention, you're trained in what to look for, you can detect an ever so slightly difference in the media posture towards a current and former president. They are fawning over that. It was like the great, he gave her a fucking weed. <clears throat> and before I start playing sound bites, this Liz Cheney thing, this, this is a guy that I stumbled across. How sad is it at covering a big deal when President Biden fist bumps a high-ranking Republican representative Liz Cheney, who we do we assume politicians cannot be friends or friendly, very similar to when Tom Colburn and President Obama shared a friendly moment several years ago. And my response to him was, her whole deal was Trump is a piece of shit for his rhetoric. She's participating in the Trump takedown and was more left than right. Biden spends every speech calling America a shithole and demeaning cons. I'm a con independent, so my opinion doesn't matter. But Liz Cheney is a hypocrite. So yeah, this little fist pump thing to you guys is like, what a great moment. No, it's not. You don't get to go back. If you said Trump was bad because his rhetoric and the way he conducted himself This is the same thing with Obama again. It's like you could say it in fancy English, but you're still saying, everybody that disagrees with me is a fucking piece of shit. Trump just said you're a piece of shit. What's the fucking difference? But if your standard is there's a decorum and the president has to act a certain way, Biden fails. He is Trump. He just says it nicely. You're a racist. America's horrible. We're a shitty country. Everybody's racist. Everything's about racism. He lies just like Trump. But he's a nice, doddering old man, so he's not threatening. And we just go with it. No. You don't get to go with it. He's a fucking piece of shit. Pick your poison. Say what you will about Biden, but you look sharp, viral, and presidential last night. No, we didn't. Historic moment, because there's a black lady and an old lady that should have been voted out forever. It's all fucking narrative. Because at the end of the day, this is what you did, lefties. This is what you did. You trended Uncle Tim. He said America's not racist, and then the left said, yeah, I'm racist. Big time racist. And it wasn't just Twitter. This was an extraordinarily partisan speech for Tim Scott, especially, I thought, on the issue of, uh, you know, policing, which is something that he's actively 
right now working with Democrats on, he really strongly criticized Democrats on the issue in a way that I thought was surprising, given that he apparently finds it uh, worthwhile to actually work with them right now to get something done. So in some ways, the speech kind of read to me or sounded to me like what any other generic Republican would say in this particular moment. But Tim Scott, who has, who's trying to have a slightly different brand, um, it didn't, it didn't really seem to fit for him. And that's the part I think that was a little bit, um, disjointed for me with this yeah, speech. Yeah, no, you're, I was thinking the same thing, that he is in the midst of, by all accounts, pretty successful bipartisan talks on. I think it's also one of those things where on social media, the uh, internal conversations that many black people have about Tim Scott and the Republican Party have now made their way to the public discourse. I mean, let's be clear. Looking at Tim Scott's response, we know that he's carrying the water not just for the Republican Party and his two other black colleagues, but he did so under the Trump administration. So that's where the lack of respect comes from. When he talks about growing up in a one-bedroom house, ask yourself, why did you grow up in a one-bedroom house? Because your party doesn't believe in equality. Ask yourself why your grandfather didn't know how to read. It's because your party actually defunds education. Ask yourself why it is that you went to failing schools. It's because your party doesn't value education, especially for black youth, especially for people in the South. So the fact that Tim Scott tried to make it an individual conversation when it should be a larger institutional problem that his party is part of, and one of the main reasons why we have such inequity, uh, explains why this Uncle Tim hashtag was trending. Tim Scott, even before this last incident, uh, he wrote a, a month or so ago that, uh, quote unquote, woke supremacy was worse than white supremacy <laughs> or as bad as white supremacy. And it was an astounding thing to say. It's indefensible to make these comments in the context of how many I've lost track of how many black people have been killed. Unarmed black people have been killed this month. This was standard Republican pabulum. This could have been delivered by Tom Cotton or Mike Lee. America's not a racist country. There's no racism here. It's, it, I'm not sure what the purpose of this was. I, his audience to me appeared to be conservative, uh, white Republicans who were angry over certain things of cancel culture and the same sort of cultural nods that we hear on Fox News. And he was out here to throw them a lifeline. It was disappointing. I am I am shocked and a bit embarrassed for him. This was a lost opportunity. Tim, this is a speech delivered from a planet where facts don't matter, which is where the current Republican Party resides. So it's really not his fault, but it is his responsibility to get his facts straight. He said this. That In just 60 seconds, the backlash over comments on race by the senator who delivered the Republican rebuttal to President Biden's speech. The president's exclusive response tonight. It was the Republican response to the president's address last night that drew some of the strongest reaction today after Senator Tim Scott declared that America is not a racist country. Kristen Welker has that story. He's a rising Republican star and potential presidential candidate. Tim Scott, who grew up poor in South Carolina, then became a senator. Good evening. Grabbing headlines with this response to President Biden's address. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination. 
While many praised Scott, others called him naive. For hours, the hashtag Uncle Tim trended on Twitter before it was blocked. The phrase echoing a racial slur, Uncle Tom, used to describe black Americans who were viewed as too deferential to white people. Scott slamming the comments this morning. Intolerance so often comes from the left with words like Uncle Tim and the N-word being used against me by the left. In an exclusive interview today, Craig Melvin pressed President Biden on Scott's comments. He said, among other things, America isn't racist. Is it? No, I don't think the American people are racist. This is what I talk about every fucking time a black person, a gay person, a lady steps off the Democrat plantation and says other than what they want. They are the most racist motherfuckers on the planet. Here um, is a one I found where they have him being a coon. That's a white person. He's a liberal. It's a whole gif. You have this guy, Scott Nevins. Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. Tonight, I tried to do ironic jocks and him using the term Uncle Tom as rebuttal while I was shocked by his lack of self-awareness. Oh, I'm fucking this all up. Hold on a second. I should have not used the term myself. And then that person went back and found that he's always used the term. They all do it. It trended on Twitter. Torre. Trended on Twitter. It was everywhere. I could go on for an hour about it. Because it broke the narrative. Here's, uh, it was, Uncle Tim was trending 60,000 tweets. Uh, Rich Lowry, Tim Scott, progressives make race-based attack on me because they don't like my politics. Twitter, let's go and prove it. John Roberts was pissed off it. It took 11 hours, and Twitter said, we are blocking the phrase you referenced from appearing in trends. This is in line with our policies on trends. Specifically, we want trends to promote healthy conversations on Twitter. Well, here's the most important thing. It took you 11 hours to do it, and you couldn't do it. And then the very next day, when Kamala was asked the same question, she said America's not a racist nation. She said it. All accounts, his speech bombed. It was partisan. It was bullshit. And before I play the media orgasm, uh, the viral tweets were all over. He's so viral. Uh, CBS poll that we played in the beginning. New CBS poll shows 85% of viewers approved of President Biden's speech. Okay, let's get to the, the bottom line. This is who watched his speech. 11.6 million people watched. You see the numbers. But he got 81 million votes. He's the most, he's the best president ever. This is a CNN poll. So you know the people watching CNN are liberal. They're the only people still hanging on. They didn't even like the speech. But yeah, CBS, 85%. Where, where's the backup article to this? I, let me find it really. It's just North Korea shit. 
CBS YouGov sur- surveyed 169 Republicans, 831 Democrats. So no wonder you came up with 85%. It broke the next day, and it's from Raheem Kasim. It was all Democrats. So of course you got those numbers because it's all narrative. You know, the reality is I don't even think they did the COVID thing because of COVID. I think it was optics. They know everything they're pushing is not what America wants. Every poll says it. Nobody's down, including liberals, with $10 trillion in spending. The stimulus, the human infrastructure, and then this new home care shit that's six trillion and then just the budget's four nobody's for it but they're going to keep doing it but john harrow biden my fellow americans trickle down on comics has never economics has never worked he voted for reagan tax course cuts that was the only gotcha i could find we're going to get into the fact check there was no fact checking um but this in itself says everything you need to know. This is this says everything you need to know. CNN didn't even like it. CNN viewers. Less than 12 million people actually watched it. And then you get into the digital. Listen to the stream numbers. USA Today stream. 36,000 people. 584 approved, 2,600 disapprove. NBC only had 28,000 people. 695 approvals, 1,500 disapprovals. CBS had 187,000 views. They had uh, 3,200 negative. Uh, Stacey was still mass more negative reactions. 3,200 than positive 29. CNBC had 76,000 viewers, 5,500 negative, 18 uh, positive, 1,800. CNN had 200,000 views, 7,500 negative, 5,100 positive. The White House, 4.7K negative, 382 positives, 9K negative, 8 Hundred positives. Fox News, uh, 241,000 viewers, 3,200 negative, 2,800 positive. ABC News, 365,000 views, 7,100 negative. Even when you add those numbers in to 11.6 million that watched, not a lot of people watch this it's under 20 million viewers nobody cared they just didn't care but our media sweet god they loved it the media jerk of the week and really offering a broad, bold new plan 
to not only build America back in his words, but build America back better with trillions and trillions of dollars in new spending. And Nancy, this is a lot what we expected, but there were some real um, moments of bipartisan appeal. Right. And what you saw the president doing tonight, Nora, was swinging for the fences, trying to remind Republicans that there are some elements of his plans that they support as well. A lot of the things that are in those spending packages are incredibly popular. I mean, you're talking about universal pre-K and lowering the cost of child care and free community college. Those pull right up there with puppies and babies. Um, but he's going to have to now sell the size of those plans to the American people. The president saying this is the largest jobs plan since World War II. And Joel, his substance, very progressive. But what about his style? Well, it's so funny because I know Republicans all over Washington, D.C., all over the country have been trying to figure out how do you box in, how do you bracket Joe Biden? He's so difficult to do that because he speaks as a deal-making moderate, but he governs as a progressive. He governs like FDR or LBJ, but he talks about working with Republican. I'm struck by the simplicity of the Biden approach and the Biden plans, even the names of them, American Families Plan, American Jobs Plan, American Rescue Plan. The, the president and his team have decided we need to take the temperature down in Washington. Cruz is getting at something real here. You know, because Joe Biden has been in office for so long and partly, frankly, because of his race and his gender. In fact, he looks like almost all previous American presidents except Barack Obama. Because Joe Biden has practiced speaking in ways that sound non-threatening, he could lay out this incredibly ambitious agenda, a progressive agenda that would bring America in line with other developed democracies in terms of the capacity and scope of its social safety net, and he could do it in a way that sounded as American as apple, apple pie. It's not just that he's boring, I think. Um, he, he's a white man in a country that mostly elects white men as presidents, and the skeleton key to American politics is Dave Weigel's quote from the t-shirt vendor at CPAC, who said he's still moving Obama and Hillary merchandise, and he cannot sell Joe Absolutely. Biden t-shirts. Mm -hmm. That is, that's basically Zaheel, like, all of American politics at a certain level is contained in that, both both in ways I think that the Biden folks are leaning into. And Chris, I've been thinking more and more about this recently. While President Obama had this knack for making moderate programs like the Affordable Care Act sound exciting and revolutionary, Biden's superpower is the exact opposite. Mm. He makes massive multi-trillion dollar mm -hmm. FDR-sized liberal policies. We're delivering a speech that covered, frankly, a lot of ground. But those themes near the end, the whole notion that democracy itself is being tested and the challenge that we can rise above it. I think it's kind of the bedrock of, of, of this speech. And, and of course, his very large initiatives with large price tags, but ambitious, uh, but may ultimately prove very popular. Yeah, it got philosophical at the end. He went down the list. I mean, he ticked virtually every issue. He was so passionate about human rights that we have not heard in the State of Union in some time or a joint session speech. He also talked about the soul of America, and that was so passionate when he talked about uh, the injustice, uh, the knee of injustice on, is on the neck of black America. They're now betting that the American people are willing to pay for something and believe in government as well. I thought it was a, a remarkable speech, again, also because as he did in his inaugural, he spoke about white supremacy 
being the real threat, the worst terror threat to America. I think what you were discussing about the issues that President Biden hit on here and how people are now needing to interact with their government has dramatically changed because of the realities that they face in their own lives. And in, in many ways, uh, President Biden uh, rose to the moment uh, that we were facing as a country and the experience he brought to the table was in many ways perhaps more appreciated than it might have been had we not been facing such a dramatic crisis. You do typically get many, many times where the opposing party uh, will boo, especially in more recent years. Uh, and on both sides uh, of the aisle, depending on who has held uh, the White House. And that just didn't really happen here. And I think that underscores it in, a, in a colorful way the political dynamics at play here. And, and that's why the White House is pushing forward with these big initiatives and essentially daring Republicans to stand in the way of initiatives that are popular. And, you know, they seem to relative. We've heard from the president himself and his advisors, as close as advisors, Anita Dunn, for one, has said in recent days that when it comes to bipartisan, if you look it up in the dictionary, it simply says Democrats and Republicans, not necessarily lawmakers in Congress, but Democrats and Republicans out across the country. And I was struck that this speech, it seemed Joe Biden was trying to reach even past Congress into Republican independents and Democrats out there in the country. That's really what I took away from it, too, David. He's really trying to bring the country together. It was a make America feel good night, make America feel pride night and trying to talk directly to people, which is, of course, Joe Biden's strength. But he was also talking to the rest of the world. And, and I, of course, was struck by that. As the rest of the world looked at this tonight, they saw what democracy is. They saw a country with a president who was proud of what we have done with COVID, with the vaccinations, and what that'll mean. The pandemic has exhausted people, David, as has this endless culture war, people fighting about what it means to be American, about identity. And President Biden's response to that is twofold. First, take off the mask and use government to try to make practical, pragmatic change for the better in people's lives. He's betting that that will calm the waters. The problem is those are all policy issues. Right now, those fights out there, they really aren't about policy. They are about identity. The Republican Party is unlikely to give many votes because it's a party that's ready to censure Liz Cheney because she recognizes the arithmetic of Joe Biden's win. He has an uphill climb with the country. What we heard tonight was an old-time populist pragmatic agenda. The question is, does the newfangled identity politics on both sides... Horseshit! 100% horseshit! Remember, we prepped these comments before they even go live. They, they already are ready. He could go out and have a heart attack and they would say, oh, it was the greatest, greatest speech fucking ever. Here's a uh, rando that I found and uh, maybe she's a journalist, I don't know. Uh, but here's hers. We're not in gun violence epidemic under any meaningful use of the world. Epidemic gum homicide gun crime rates are far lower today than in the 1990s. There is still work to be done, especially for gun suicide, but the data doesn't show an epidemic. And I'm just going to read off this because it's easier than scrolling the thing. And all these are wrong size, so I'm going to make them a little smaller since I'm reading them. Sorry, folks. Speaking of the 1990s, crime declined and nothing to do with the federal assault weapon ban. The official report on the ban literally said it was a renewal would have little effect as these guns rarely are used in crime. 2A, which is why even though America has purchased millions of these guns since the ban lapsed in 2004, crime rates didn't shoot back up. 
Holy shit. No, high-capacity magazines don't suddenly enable semi-auto rifles to fire 100 rounds in a second. I don't know anybody with a 100-round mag. I have like two 40-round mags. that I don't know where I got them. But they're not usable. They jam. They're useless. It's a 30-round magazine. In my house for defense, and I'm reticent to fucking show it, these are unloaded. I don't have it loaded, but I have a kit bag with 20-round clips. So that, that these are my two ARs, and they're not loaded, and I have a 20-round clip. That's what I roll with. I don't carry a 30. It's home defense. I'm not in Fallujah. He is intentionally conflating semi-autos with the fully automatic and heavily regulated counterparts, which could fire six to eight hundred rounds per minute. But in no world does a factory standard thirty-round magazine let you do hundred rounds. I've never seen anybody able to even rapid reload. And remember, it's semi-automatic. He says that because most of you fucking morons out there in the left state, you don't know what a mag- you don't know what it is. Here, I'm going to do a, a little gun class real quick. It's not loaded. We always check and make sure it's safe. This is what happens when I pull the trigger. That's it. There's no click, 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 click in the movies. No, it's one round. The selector switch doesn't let you do anything else. Look it. You have semi-automatic, which is just like the pistol, or you have safe. There's no three-round burst, which is what a military weapon is, or automatic for some small units. You, you don't fire thousands of rounds. You can only fire as fast as your finger can pull. And I can pull faster with the fucking pistol. No, the majority of gun owners absolutely do not support bans on semi-micro. No, no we don't. When talking about supporting UBCs, it's important to remember that support for expanded background checks does not mean support for a specific bill, specifically when that specific bill criminalizes the most common temporary and low-risk transfers without paying FFL. Yes, the 2A is not unlimited. No, banning millions of commonly owned semi-automatic rifles are rarely used in crime is not comparable to laws about yelling falsifiers in a crowd. Courtesy of the Latino Rifle Org, Biden joke about deer with Kevlar vest is hilarious because an AR-15 round is less powerful than, well, any round you'd use to hunt deer. It's also irrelevant because Second Amendment isn't about hunting. It's just, it's just more, more of the same, more of the same. He just makes shit up. He makes it up. I hope you can still see me. I'm trying to fix my Fop News died. Where's Fop News? Boop. Okay, we're back. Um, Other fact checks, because we're going to go into a section really quick that they did not fact check. 21 false or misleading statements. All right. All right. I need to stop saying all right. I say all right way too much. All right, all right, all right. The worst pandemic in a century, the worst economic crisis is the Great Depression, the worst attack on our democracies is the Civil War. Pandemic. There have been almost 150 million reported cases of COVID-19, over 3 million deaths due to COVID-19 since the pandemic ban. One century prior, an estimated 500 million people died. 
So you slide again. Biden implied January 6th Capitol Hill riot where they trespassed was the worst attack on our democracy. By making this claim, Biden is arguing the January 6th riot in which American democracy resumed that evening is worse than Pearl Harbor, September 11th, Vietnam War, and World War II. Jeffrey uh, uh, fucking uh, Stephen McVeigh. More people died at the Pulse nightclub, you fucking bag of farts. After I promised 100 million COVID-19 vaccines shot in 100 days, we'll have provided over 220. That was because Trump was already doing a million a day, you fucking assholes. And no, he didn't do it, Gloria Borger. But you want to rewrite history. It's got to stay with the narrative of why you said we needed to vote for him. Decades ago, we used to invest 2% of our GDP on research. Today, we spend less than once. According to the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, Biden's incorrect. The data indicates that the United States spends 2.7% of GDP. That's a lie. It would be a lie in Trump world, but no, no, we're not doing that. I spent a lot of time with President Z, traveled over 17,000 miles with him, spent over 24 hours of private discussion. Watched the post to debunk this repeated claim, reported that they could not get the travel to add up to anything close to 1,700 miles. In 1990, we passed universal background checks, banned assault rifles, weapon, and uh, hold on, we beat the NRA. This is not true. According to numerous nonpartisan studies, the average number of mass shootings per year before and during the assault weapon ban did not change. Today, 90% of Americans now live within five miles of vaccination site. Everyone over the age of 16, everyone is now eligible and can vaccinate right away. So get vaccinated. The key word is eligible. Doesn't mean all will. Went to Afghanistan to get the terrorist attack 9-11. We delivered justice in Assam Bin Laden. We degraded the terrorist threat of Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan after 20 years of American value and sacrifice. Time to bring home. Joe Biden conveniently leaves out the part about how at the time he opposed assassinating Bin Laden. This doesn't count. You fucking stop Trump from doing it. So go fuck off. When I was sworn in, less than 1% of seniors are fully vaccinated. South 7% it's all lies. And the process of the economy created more than 1.3 new jobs in 100 days. That was because of Trump. Two million women have dropped out of the workforce during the pandemic, too often because they can't get childcare. Based on research by the World Economic Forum, stress due to family pressure was experienced by over 6% of women with children in the household and was a significant driving factor behind work-based decisions for women and children. Joe Biden completely ignores these childcare requirements were fueled almost entirely by the closure of schools, you jackass. Of course they couldn't get childcare. The kids were home every day for a year because of your policies. And we need to ensure create uh, greater equity and opportunity for women. Let's get the Paycheck Fairness Act. There is no pay gap. You've already done the Lily Ledbetter Act. Obama already solved this. Why are you lying? We just did a law for it. Ending cancer. You know what happened to Trump if he said, I'm going to end cancer? Do you know what the fuck they'd say? 20 million Americans lost their job in the pandemic, working middle-class America. At the same time, roughly 650 billionaires. The claim is misleading as the date chosen as the start of the pandemic often ignore the stock market crash. American Rescue Plan lowered health care premiums for 9 million Americans who buy their coverage of the Affordable Care Act. Premiums for nearly everyone other than those enrolled in Obamacare drastically increased. It's a total lie. I will not impose tax increase on people making less than $400,000. 
Biden promised not to impose tax increases on people making less than $400,000 a year, while his tax proposal would affect families making $400,000 or more. This means that two individuals with salaries of some of $400,000, for example, a husband who makes $150,000 and a wife, $250,000, who filed jointly, would experience a tax increase. The fair share line is one which has been debunked numerous times. And the most important part about that is you could tax all this shit. It will not pay for $6 trillion. Even capital gains. It will not pay for what he's spending. I mean, I don't give a fuck, but it's a lie. Then he gets away with it. Look, I'm not here to punish anyone, but I will not add to the tax burden to middle-class country. They're already paying enough. What I propose is fair. It's fiscally responsible. The claim the middle class was significantly tax burden compared to other class groups is inaccurate. The Washington Post reported by 2016, the most recent year for which data is available, the middle 60% paid just 31%. Everybody else paid 49 Look at the big tax cut in 17. It was supposed to pay for itself and generate vast economic growth. Instead, it added $2 trillion to the deficit. While the deficit did increase under Trump, it was not tax cut. It was paying out, and people made less, so then you got less taxes because of the pandemic. So shut the fuck up. Together, we passed the American Rescue Plan, one of the most consequential rescue packages in American history. We're already seeing the results. To use the word together is bullshit. You went on alone. And I need not tell anyone, but gun violence is an epidemic in America. Our flag at the White House was still flying at half staff for the eight victims of mass shooting in Georgia with 10 more lives, blah, blah, blah. Joe Biden ignores the fact that the rate of firearm homicide has steadily declined despite the fact that gun ownership has gone up 50%, but that's because people are scared of his brown shirts. But we don't cover that. Why would we? Why would we cover that? Why would we do this? So let's go through this. Uh... That's not it. I'm in the wrong one. Am I in the wrong one? Yeah, this is the one I want. Let's expand this. This is from a Washington Post. This is prior to. By the time Biden ascended the presidency, he had refashioned himself as a transformational leader. A president prepared for fundamentally overhaul the role of government in society on behalf of the nation's working men and women. With those emergencies came an opportunity to go big and bold and ambitious and push through massive legislation with or out the support of Republicans. They're trying to do the FDR thing. And then we're going to cover this because it changed. And let me blow it up. All right, we, we covered that the other day. Learn my lesson means that who knows what the next four years will bring. We have fact-checked Biden rigorously and will continue to do so. Trump had 500 claims. 100 days was manageable. 8,000 was not. They have stopped it. We have done. This is a good review. We're no longer going to fact-check him. It's too much work. And we don't want to do it because he's a friend now. He's our buddy. So we don't want to do it. So we're just not going to do it. But we can do this. And not do her lies. This is still, this is from Newsweek.
Which brings us to Tucker. There's a new... Oh, wait a minute. Let, let me let me let me do this before I move on. Not only are they doing a narrative that he's a unifier and he's everything he wants for the American people is what the American people want. They're simultaneously saying anybody who doesn't agree with them is a racist but us not not very religious either. This is a heading from the Washington Post, who's now no longer going to fact check him. Biden's abortion rights stance triggers coming debate among Catholic bishops on communion. They changed the headline because the headline, his stance from a very religious president, a very Catholic president, butts head with right-wing bishops. That story has changed from when I grabbed it to when I read it right now. It was, he is very Catholic, they're not. So you're a racist if you don't agree. You're not a real Catholic if you don't believe fucking aborting toddlers. Alright? Because, you know, why would we? Then we just go after everybody. So we're going to do the Tucker sound bites. But before it, you're going to see Matt Dowd. He's the independent on ABC. This is everyday rhetoric. Crazy platform in Fox News. And part of the problem, uh, and I'm going to speak some truth, not to you, Uh, Nicole, but maybe other people on other networks or in other platforms, we have to stop treating this like this is some game where the opposition on each side is the same, that there's some equal value on each side, that we're going to listen to Kevin McCarthy and we'll listen to Nancy Pelosi and therefore we did our job or we'll interview Ted Cruz and we'll interview a sane United States senator and we've done our jobs. There is no thing today where you can say in any media platform that you in, in interview an insane, irresponsible person and interview a sane, responsible person and equate the two at all. And so- the only people who wear masks voluntarily outside are zealots and neurotics. How neurotic are they? Well, we know. A Pew survey from last March found that 64% of white Americans who classify themselves as liberal or very liberal have been diagnosed with an actual mental health condition. And you see them everywhere when you walk down the street in any major city. If you dare to go on foot from Union Station to the Capitol, for example, in Washington without wearing a mask, angry Biden voters will snort at you in judgment. How could you? They're saying from behind the gauze. How could you? That's the question we should be asking of them in return. The rest of us should be snorting at them first. They're the aggressors. It's our job to brush them back and restore the society we were born in. So the next time you see someone in a mask on the sidewalk or on the bike path, do not hesitate. Ask politely but firmly, would you please take off your mask? Science shows there is no reason for you to be wearing it. Your mask is making me uncomfortable. This day, and the, I mean, gotta say truly unhinged stuff, I mean, worrying stuff coming from the biggest platform for dangerous misinformation out there. Last night, the highest rated uh, personality on Rupert Murdoch's cable network 
told his viewers to call the police if they see a child in a mask outdoors. As for forcing children to wear masks outside, that should be illegal. Your response when you see children wearing masks as they play should be no different from your response to seeing someone beat a kid in Walmart. Call the police immediately. Contact Child Protective Services. Keep calling until someone arrives. What you're looking at is abuse. It's child abuse, and you are morally obligated to attempt to prevent it. You know, it's either trolling or it's uh, someone in the midst of a genuine breakdown or it's evil. Today, we are expecting the federal government to loosen guidance for mask wearing outdoors, especially for people who are fully vaccinated. Welcome news and science based since doctors say transmission is significantly lower outdoors. But Fox's chief public health officer is using the moment to encourage confrontations over masks. This is what he's shoveling to his millions of viewers. Angry Biden voters will snort at you in judgment. How could you? They're saying from behind the gauze. How could you? That's the question we should be asking of them in return. The rest of us should be snorting at them first. They're the aggressors. It's our job to brush them back and restore the society we were born in. So the next time you see someone in a mask on the sidewalk or on the bike path, do not hesitate. Ask politely but firmly, would you please take off your mask? Science shows there is no reason for you to be wearing it. Your mask is making me uncomfortable. He is telling his viewers to confront people who are wearing masks outdoors, to harass them. And he's doing this as people who have been following and promoting CDC guidance on masks thus far have already been harassed, physically assaulted, and killed in at least one case. Mind you, this host purports to be staunchly anti-harassment, at least he did when it came to Trump administration officials telling us that people who disagree with them no longer have freedom of movement or association. They can't go to the movies or go to restaurants. If they dare leave their homes, they will be surrounded by mobs and threatened. It's happening. How about if you just ask them politely but firmly? Probably not. And here's why. Because it's rude and, more importantly, it's dangerous, which Carlson has been very clear on when it comes to himself and his family. I can't really go to a lot of restaurants anymore because uh, I get yelled at. His employer agreed, quote, the violent threats and intimidation tactics toward him and his family are completely unacceptable, Fox said, saying the U.S. has, quote, become far too intolerant of different points of view and recent events. Clearly highlight the need for a more civil, respectful and inclusive national conversation. And we should note that Fox issued that statement without irony. But wait, there's more. He didn't stop at outside last night. He attacked masks anywhere. Every American who wants the vaccine can get the vaccine. And that means that at this point, there is no scientific justification for any mask mandate anywhere. It's that simple. Anywhere. Inside, too. No scientific justification other than the studies that show masks work other than the fact that half of the population is still not vaccinated, other than the fact that one of the reasons that school openings have been so successful is that all the students are masked. If you want to take my word for it. I mean, it's ironic that, uh, you know, these are probably the same people who are against vaccines passports because they believe in um, keeping your health information private. Uh, but I, so on that front, I don't know how they would be able to know if someone got the vaccine or not. And I hope that people will take their own health into their own hands and, uh, you know, protect themselves and protect others and, uh, 
you know, they, they don't need to reveal that to anyone if Can they don't I, want to. I think it's worse than disinformation. It's disinformation as policy, right? When you're making up yeah. rules based on lies, and those are crazy lies, then you're creating policy based on crazy lies that are on the internet on fringe websites. Mm -hmm. It's a really disturbing trend, and hopefully it will not advance any further, but it seems to me, whether it's Tucker Carlson or a private school in Miami, irrational people are making it a lot harder to have rational discussions about this right now. I played the soundbite. It was sarcastic to say, be a reverse Karen. But this is how much they just lost their fucking minds over this. Not what he said. The whole argument now is either the vaccine work or they don't. And because you need an emergency to ram through all this shit, we all see through the kabuki theater, you lying cocksuckers. This is a, a conservative. This is what never Trumpers are. This is what Nicole Wallace is. And I fear my buddy in New York's this way. Nazi. We're using Nazis. You're a Nazi if you don't think like us. MSNBC panelists and FBI alumnus said Tucker Carlson Max comments could be nexus of violence. Your people have screamed and yelled at people, gone into hysterics over not wearing a mask, but now we're worried about violence. Twitter covered it, and they leave out what he really said. They didn't cover it. Why would we? I mean... Eric Wimple, Fox News host Carlson last night, urged people to call Child Protective Service. They see children wearing masks to play. So I've seen inquiries to about 15 state-level child protective agents across the country just to see if people are acting upon the host destruction. Thus far, Alabama, Texas reported back saying they're neither, either not had any such calls or unaware of any. I'll keep sending out inquiries. RNG has not received any calls. Delaware, not received any calls. New York, not. He goes to every fucking state. That's because people knew it was a fucking joke. He was joking. But no, that, that's not what we're going to do. We're the media. We, we're going to make it fit our narrative. We need a boogeyman. And right now, boogeyman is anybody who's not conservative. Anybody who questions, is the dear leader in charge? Because I don't think he is. I think the dear leader is just the Trojan horse and somebody's pulling the strings. It's Obama. It's somebody. Because this is like the third time the guy's gone on the fucking TV and said, hey, I'm going to get in trouble. I had a tape I could play today. I'm going to get in trouble because I can't find my mask. That's what he said. Which tells me he doesn't wear his mask. Let's, uh... Move to crime. Where you two fold up chairs right here, baby? Do you sit right here for me? Yeah, so for mommy? Yeah, because see. Are you there?
I will see you guys next Monday at 6 p.m. back here on Face of Reality Radio on the Instagram and on the Facebook. And until then, the police. Of course, that's not national news. I mean, why would it be? Confirm perm NYPD 43-year-old officer Anastasios Sakos was killed while diverting traffic after another fatal accident on the LIE. The woman who hit him, police say, was driving under the influence with a suspended license. She's been arrested. 32, whose driver 32 said, fuck the police and down tequila and wine during podcast. Just hours before the killed cop and hit and run, boasted about carrying a knife, being pro-capital punishment, and now faces 13 charges and 15 years in jail. Jessica Bovavas posted a one-hour, 51-minute live stream on her Facebook page. We just played three minutes of it. Sorry, I was outside with the air conditioner person. I need to put some dip in. Was on a scene viping and drinking, and at one point washes down the contents of red shot glass with a bottle of Snapple. She says cops are signing up for potential death, being signed off the footage with fuck the police. In the video, she boasts of liking guns because they're pretty and rants about being pro-capital punishment. Hours later, Shaletta got behind the wheel of her Volkswagen intoxicated with a suspended license. She's accused of striking and killing Officer Sakos. But Venice allegedly drove off before being arrested, telling cops, fuck you, I don't have to listen to you. She then tearfully apologized for Sako's death as she was led to NYPD 107th Precinct. 13 charges, including manslaughter. Yeah, but we weren't talking about that. We were talking about the court case in North Carolina. Judge wouldn't release the video. But on the video, District Attorney Andrew Womble says the body camera video show should be disclosed to the family of Andrew Brown, but not released to the public for 30 days. It delayed to allow NCBIS to complete its investigation. In it, it shows that he, uh, Womble, on the body cam video, the car of Andrew Brown was stationary when deputies approached and grabbed door. Brown backed up, made contact with law enforcement, then drove forward to make contact with deputies, and then shots fired. You see how he's riding it? Made contact. An attorney for unarmed defendants, presumably deputies, say officers are distraught, and we believe the shooting was justified. He opposed the public release of video, saying there isn't a compelling public interest. A note, Dia Womble said all four body cameras in his address to the judge are first notice of how many cameras are rolling. The judge says he's seen the body camera videos, and he spent hours last night reviewing them. Attorney representing press requests for video, there is absolutely a compelling public interest, blah, 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 blah. AP, FBI announces federal civil rights investigation into federal shooting of Andrew Brown. So not only now are we in a world where you can shank a bitch, you can drive over a cop. If you're unarmed, you can drive over a cop. Even though that is assault. African Americans are hunting Somalis. Violent felon under arrest for the murder of Minneapolis store clerk. 
The Mark's 24th Minneapolis homicide this year. We're exactly double the number we were last time. Last year, here at Interactive Map, blah, blah, blah. Statement for MPD on tonight's homicide during an armed robbery at 4 X Cedar Avenue. A clerk at the store, an adult male believed to be in his 40s, suffered multiple gunshot wounds because the dude just wanted to steal some shit. And he's an African-American, but we don't say his see his face. Then we see the NYPD guy get whacked in the head. That's a detective. Prince, Prince Street, 39th Avenue, NYPD detective that was investigating a crime scene was struck in the head by suspect using a stick. And we NYPD News tells NY Scoop that the suspect was arrested by members of the 109th Precinct were present on the scene. The detective was transported to get stitches. Yeah. But there's some positives in here. Minneapolis police uh, uh, rioter fined $12 million for helping set fire in a Minneapolis police station during mostly peaceful Black Lives Matter. He'll never pay it, but that was a nice step. More than 200 Seattle police officers quit, citing anti-police climate. Have fun up there. Man brutally beats Delaware police officer to death. Not national news. Delmar police officer Corporal Heath Heacock reported to call to help Sunday morning after his alleged would-be killer apparently assaulted an elderly couple. When he arrived on the scene, he was brutally beaten and repeatedly kicked in the head, unconscious, until he died. Legally dead was what they said on... uh, Where is the one I want to give you? Chicago. So we're over 100 dead cops, but... The media is not going to talk about that. I'm not covering the Rudy Giuliani. I want to save it for next podcast. But understand, the FBI has and will be a tool of this administration. With gun draws, FBI raid Homer Couple Home looking for Nancy Pelosi's laptop. It was the wrong house. They kicked the fucking door in. No media coverage. Because why would there be media coverage? If you disagree with the dear leader, you are going to get it. And I always like to end these crime segments with our hate of the day. And them, whether it's restricting access to the polls, limiting constitutional rights to protest, banning treatment for trans kids. It's all an active effort in states that are about to pick up congressional seats. Well, the demographics might be changing, but the dis- distribution of political power is not changing. In fact, power is being taken away um, from those groups. Uh, what the Republicans are trying to do is to maintain the illegitimate power that they obtained during the, um, the redistricting that happened 10 years ago by voter suppression and by engaging in gerrymandering through the course of the redistricting process that we are just about to start. Are they? They have a White House reporter. <laughs> Correspondent Peter Ducey. He couldn't go, and he likes to bug Jen Psaki all the time and, and you know get attention for himself. He couldn't go there and say, "Hey, what's this about Biden being the Hamburglar, and what's this about Kamala Harris's book being given to every poor migrant child?" That's what you do. You report out a story. They don't even bother doing that anymore. It's insane. Charlie Sykes, you tweeted out a thing. I mean, that, that, that a right wing, you know, 29 year old wrote about how I'm not going to get vaccinated just because me not being vaccinated owns the libs and it makes them mad. It's like, baby, if you end up in the ER, I'm not the one who's going to be mad. You're the one who's going to be in the ER. You're the one who's going to be on a ventilator, not me. Like, they actually think that I will risk death just to own the libs. That is crazy. What is happening? 
Well, well, it, it's a pretty good encapsulation of American conservatism in, in 2021. You know, it's not about these ideas. It is about owning the libs. As you mentioned a little bit earlier, it's about, you know, constantly feeding that outrage machine. I mean, it is a little bit like watching an addict, you know, figuring, you know, how can we stoke it up? We need to come up with something more outrageous. But, you know, what's really interesting, you know, you, you, t- you talked about uh, Joe Biden's normalcy. But, you know, let me just look at it in a slightly different way. Look, um, where is the Tea Party resistance right now? Joe Biden is is proposing one trillion dollar proposal after another. This is the largest expansion of the federal government since the New Deal Great Society. And yet there's no Tea Party out there. There's no energy. Joan, you wrote a book called What's the Matter with White People? And I think it answers Charlie's question, because the, the outrage from the Tea Party wasn't about deficits. It was about the black Joe guy. Joe Biden is white. So they're not out there in their funny hats and their American founder costumes with, you know, hideous racist pictures of Obama. It was never about the debt. And the things that a lot of white working class people used to really cherish, they now hate because they just associate it with black people. And they say that the things that that saved their own families throughout the 1940s and 50s are all now welfare. And they're all bad because diverse people get access to them. Isn't basically that it all that's all there is. That's why Fox News is in the outreach business, because they're just like mad at people who aren't white Christians. Well, they're they're clearly mad and they want to keep people mad. They want to keep people outraged and convince their victims. You go- I love those sound bites. So it's voter suppression to redistrict for Republicans, but not Democrats. She does a counter thing because Tucker says to do what the left's doing. And that last gentleman... Yeah, that that's some good shit right there. That that's some good shit. They want to keep people and say they're a victim. That that's your whole thing. So let's go into a little bit of administration shit. Um, this is uh, what happened this week with our beloved Iran. Ben Rhodes, uh, do I have the Ben Rhodes tweet? Oh yeah, I do. Oh yeah, this this is good shit because remember, somehow the bus driver is in charge of foreign policy still. Republicans pretend to be outraged about John Kerry talking about things that were widely in public and known at the time as classic disinformation campaign, trying to launder a lie through sufficient right-wing media outrage to get mainstream attention. Do I have any more of this? I don't think I do. That's all COVID. This is Nate Silver on COVID, which is really good. So we're going to we're going to hold that. I, I I just want to hit this one more time because here's the Washington Post analysis. Israel is committing the crime of apartheid, Noom Report says. There was no outrage over boats shooting at us. That came from the U.S. Navy. NBC News did it. But these Iranians are good people. NBC, Iranian ships swarm U.S. Coast Guard vessel. An unsafe maneuver, says U.S. Navy. But we're good with it. John Kerry. Zoff on what John Kerry told him. Was really attacked Iran post 200 times in Syria. Iran airline flying six flights a week to Syria. The two coordinated ceasefire in Yemen. They discussed Saudi Arabia. Kerry called it on a cell. Um, yeah, that that's that's fantastic. I can tell you that this story and these allegations are unequivocally false. This never happened either when I was Secretary of State or since John Kerry on U.S. China. And now it's over. The whole story is over. They're done with it. We've fucking moved on. The media just doesn't care anymore 
because, you know, it's John fucking Kerry. Let's turn our look at President Biden's first 100 days and where he stands tonight on some of the biggest foreign policy challenges he faces, among them Russia, China, and Iran. Here's Andrea Mitchell. Congratulations, Mr. President. President Biden promised to reach out to allies and punish adversaries. Good afternoon. What's the record show at the 100-day mark? As protesters challenge Vladimir Putin at home, Biden is confronting the Russian leader, unlike Donald Trump, sanctioning Russia for election interference, hacking government agencies and U.S. companies, poisoning opposition leader Alexei Navalny, and he's warning Putin against threatening Ukraine. Still, he's invited Putin to a summit in a third country, possibly this summer. He's testing the Biden administration, and then he gets rewarded by having a summit. And so that, I think, uh, encourages belligerent behavior. But an aggressive China is a bigger long-term threat. It's warships threatening Taiwan and other U.S. allies, committing genocide against the Muslim Uyghurs and crushing democracy in Hong Kong. China is the most significant strategic challenge facing the United States. Uh, It is a country that is growing in economic clout. It is advancing its military capabilities, and it's acting in increasingly aggressive and assertive ways. The president kept his promises to rejoin the Paris Climate Accord and start indirect talks to rejoin and strengthen the Iran nuclear deal. Talks almost sabotaged when Iran's main nuclear facility was attacked, the U.S. believes, by Israel. Would you prefer if no one were to attack Iran's nuclear facilities while you're trying to get negotiations started? We certainly believe that there are certain kinds of activities that are unhelpful uh, to diplomacy. The president's biggest decision so far, starting the withdrawal from Afghanistan, overruling his own generals. Where has he fallen short? He lifted the Trump Muslim ban, but so far has broken his promise to let in more legally vetted refugees than his predecessor. And while sanctioning Saudi Arabia for murdering journalist Jamal Khashoggi, the president failed to punish the Saudi crown prince, who the CIA says was responsible. Another example where President Biden is balancing his promises versus the reality of foreign policy. There's no conversation about it. Ben Shapiro... When it comes to laundering lies through compliant media, Ben Rose is a self-described expert. Rhodes set up a team of staffers who were focused on promoting the deal, which apparently included the feeding of talking points at useful times in the news cycle for foreign policy experts who are favorably disposed towards it. We're creating an echo chamber, he told the magazine. They seemingly independent experts are saying things that validated what we were giving them to say. That's all true. That, that happened. And then when Pisaki's asked... A report came out today from Human Rights Watch about Israel, saying that Israel is guilty of international crimes of apartheid and persecution because of discriminatory policies toward Palestinians. Israel has rejected that characterization. Does the White House think the report is accurate or inaccurate? Well, uh, Justice State Department has its own rigorous process for making atrocity determinations and reports on human rights abuse issues globally on an annual basis through the human rights reports that they issue, they do briefings on, uh, and they put out publicly. Uh, The department has never used such terminology. Uh, As to the question of whether Israel's actions constitute apartheid, that is not the view of this administration. I want to try Josh's question again about the human human rights watch report on the treatment of Palestinians by Israel. 
um, and the abuses that they underline. It's a very thorough report. You said, um, and, and the fact that the U.S. has turned a blind eye to what's happening over there. That's what they say. That's what they say. Uh, you, you said that in the foreign, in this, in the president's speech tomorrow, there's going to be a foreign policy uh, section, and he, he's going to talk about what are our values. Do you consider that the treatment of Palestinians by Israel correspond to the American values? Well, I would say that the United States is committed to promoting respect for human rights in Israel and the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. And we have an enduring partner. We also have an enduring partnership with Israel and discuss a wide range of issues with the Israeli government, including those related to human rights. Uh, so I was really conveying or responding specifically to Josh's question, but it's important to reiterate that. So appreciate you giving me the opportunity. So we flip the story from Kerry to they're all a bunch of fucking... Uh, Committing genocide. First thing we have to understand is that Foreign Minister Moad Javad Sarif is the closest thing John Kerry has to a friend in Iranian government, and vice versa. If this is a big lie from Zarif to make Kerry look bad, why would Zarif do that? What would Zarif have to gain by using this relationship to make him look bad? Sure, the Iranian regime lies all the time, but if this is a lie, why would the foreign minister lie about his foreign negotiating partner like this? Second, we don't know what Zarif is saying. Kerry said this to him before or after public reports in September. Finally, this probably was Obama's doing. CIA director. The Biden administration is dealing with a dizzy array of domestic and international problems, writes John Brevin, but the Palestinian quest for statehood deserves early engagement and national security team. Here is the ex-CIA saying, I always found it difficult to fathom how a nation of people deeply scarred by history replete with prejudice, religious persecution, and unspeakable violence perpetrated against them would not be emphatic champion of those rights and freedoms are still abridged. A reply, always found it difficult to fathom how an individual makes such an idiotic statement and was in charge of the CIA. Hmm? Why? Why do they hate CNN so bad? Why? I, I just don't understand how all of this happens. How you can be this guy, this bad. How? There are number one ally. But they just ignored this story. And now they're attacking Israel. But it's, here's the rest of the sound bites for fucking the admin's policy. It's all fucking rainbows and unicorns. It doesn't mean you have the right to bear any form of arms. If you take it literally, does that mean the right to bear arms says that you should be able to have your own field howitzer in the backyard? That you should have um, the uh, ability to have an anti-tank weapon? Uh, to run your own drones, which are armed? Of course not. So having a single-action shotgun is one thing. Having a uh, semi-automatic or fully automatic weapon, which can kill dozens of people in seconds, that's something else. So right. you can have the right to bear arms if it's single action. The judgment in this country, Australia, is it doesn't entitle you to bear any, any category of arms, hence the mm -hmm. ban on semi-automatic weapons in this country. 
And we already have. I mean, one of the big questions is there's so many there's more guns than people in this country. I know in Australia there was the gun buyback. Um, so, you know, there, there is that big question. But I wonder, as someone who, who was a world leader, as you as you see these mass shootings, again, nearly 150 just this year in America, as you see that play out, what is your reaction? What are you thinking? What do you think the world is thinking as they watch this play out in this country? Well, let's take a step back first, Hallie, because the Trump administration really remade the federal judiciary, appointing more than a quarter of judges, making the judiciary more white, more male, more conservative and younger. Now, Democrats have their chance. And President Biden has nominated 11 nominees. The Judiciary Committee is hearing the testimony of five of those nominees today. And not one of them is a white man. They are all women or people of color, including one who would be the first Muslim American on the court. So basically what we're saying on the first clip is we want to be Australian, ban all weapons. Kind of blows the whole concept, CNN, that, oh, he's not a gun grabber. I mean, we all know he is, but he's not a gun grabber. He just wants to make America safe. And then we have what the media does every time with everything he does. It's not qualifications. It's not fucking jurisprudence. It is mother fucking what they look like. Who they fuck. And then finally, and then we're going to do a short woke. USPS admits to monitoring Americans under ICOP, and nobody in the media actually cares. What do they care about? The recount, or the redistricting, and the recount in Arizona. They can't disclose their methods or what they're doing to the ballots because, yeah, they're doing this in Arizona now, but they're pretty sure they're going to be doing this in other states too. That's what they told the court this weekend about why they can't describe their processes. And on the one hand, you think like, oh, they just maybe they don't have processes. <laughs> maybe they don't have things they're doing or like written policies or planned training or anything. Maybe they're just winging it. Or maybe they are planning on doing this in multiple states. Or both. Well, tonight, bingo, there they are. Announcing that in Michigan, they are also, the cyber ninjas, going to be part of the same kind of effort to prove that there were dramatic, dramatic flaws, considerable fraud, terrible, terrible things gone wrong in the Michigan presidential election in 2020 as well. Cyber ninja is going to help them out with that one too. They are creating a new founding myth for the Republican Party and the American right. That Trump won the election and it was robbed from him and Biden is illegitimate as a president. The census, it's how the U.S. government says everyone in the country makes some noise. Every 10 years, the census determines how many people are in the country and then how many congressional seats each state gets. And of course, which city gets a real housewives. And now the 2020 numbers are officially out. The U.S. Census reports over the last decade, the population grew at the slowest rate since the 1930s. 
This was driven by a leveling off of immigration and a declining birth rate in the country. Because of population shifts, Texas will pick up two seats in Congress. Florida, North Carolina, Montana, Colorado and Oregon will each get one more. And for the first time, California is losing one seat, as are Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia and New York, which, get this, was just 89 people short of keeping all of its seats. This is unbelievable. The census is really chapping their balls, but they don't understand that Biden won by about 24,000 votes. That's what he won by, actually, electorally. And Maddow, isn't that what you guys did for four years? That Trump was illegitimate and Hillary won? Didn't we already play this game? So the Republicans are seditionist anti-Americans once again because, yeah... They did what you did. Oh, I got it. That sounds fucking fantastic. So let's go with some speed reading right here. Uh, I'm going to blow it up so we can see it. This is pretty good shit. Criticize Ron DeSantis all you want, but Florida now has the highest new COVID rate, case rate, Number of daily deaths in the U.S. It also is the third highest population. Florida is 28th in the U.S. of COVID deaths per capita and 22nd in the U.S. of COVID cases per capita. In other words, pretty much right at the average. There's a lot of bad takes about Florida. Here's a factual take. Population of Florida, 22 million deaths, 34,000. Population of Vietnam, 97 million deaths, 35. They're trying everything. It's weird to me to make about Florida when their statistics are almost exactly average in the United States. If you want to argue that U.S. overall has done worse than Vietnam, I'd happily agree. Then we get into the stealth edits. And I forgot this before we go to COVID. This is actually Gannett. And this is why I don't like the USA Today. Um, I don't like it. Can't abide by it. They are stealthy editing... Their articles, USA Today edited Stacey Abrams' op-ed published before MLB pulled game in Atlanta, waters down boycott. When they're caught, we regret the oversight and updating the Stacey Abrams column. As soon as we recognized there was no editor's note, we added it to the page to reflect our changes. We have reviewed our procedures to ensure this does not occur again. Enemy of the people say what? This happens all the fucking time. Matt Whitlock, the op-ed Dale and other site defending Abrams, was heavily edited from its original version after the MLB decided to move the All-Star game. Paragraph on the left is before the paragraph on the right. But they do this all the time to make them look good. PolitiFact does this. Ted Cruz, you didn't see Republicans when we had control of the Senate trying to rig the game and Supreme Court nomination. The GOP had the power to do what it did, but it doesn't mean they weren't rigging the game. So now we're, we're just literally going to do whatever we can to help the Democrats, PolitiFact. You just show you're not a news agency. I mean, they went this in-depth on their PolitiFact. David Frum, one of the impacts of Biden's 100 day on my personal life, my wife was reverted to happily listen to music in the morning instead of anxiously listening to the news. That's a con- ex-conservative. CNN, how the U.S. went from having one of the worst COVID responses to being a global leader in vaccinations under Biden. Who 
made it so. Who? Who? Can anybody tell me? The Biden team inherited a pandemic at its zenith with a high demand of vaccines and little supply. We're vaccinating a million people a day and wrapping up when Biden took office. This article is credulous Biden propaganda because that's all they have now. Propaganda. It's all propaganda. Everything's propaganda. Day in, day out. It's propaganda. I mean, you even have ABC News. Early COVID hero Newsom could be recalled. They're so disgruntled about this. And now, as we go to woke, the best thing is Cuomo shit is hitting the fucking fan. We're learning new information tonight about just how far aides to New York Democratic Governor Andrew Cuomo reportedly went to conceal nursing home death statistics during the pandemic. Correspondent Brian Yannis has been on this story from the beginning, has the new details tonight. Good evening, Brian. Brett, good evening. The accusation all along has been that Governor Andrew Cuomo's administration purposely covered up the true COVID-19 nursing home death toll from the public because of fear of political consequences and because the governor was in the midst of securing a nearly $4 million book deal at the time last summer. Tonight, the New York Times reports Cuomo's top aides began working to downplay the state's nursing home death toll last spring, taking extraordinary Extraordinary measures to subvert the state's health department, like preventing a scientific paper that incorporated the true nursing home death data from publishing. For months, they kept an audit of the death numbers from being made public, and aides even blocked two health department letters drafted for state lawmakers from ever being sent. Governor Cuomo's administration is reportedly under investigation by the FBI and the U.S. Attorney in Brooklyn for purposely withholding nursing home death data from the Department of Justice. Cuomo's top aides reportedly omitted more than 3,000 nursing home COVID-19 deaths from a July Department of Health report saying they could not verify how many residents died at hospitals, despite the fact that we know they were collecting this data since April of 2020. An attorney representing Cuomo's office denied this was a cover-up, telling Fox News the whole brouhaha here is overblown to the point where there are cynical suggestions offered for the plain and simple truth that the chamber wanted only to release accurate information that they believed was totally unassailable. The New York Assembly state the New York State Assembly is currently in the midst of uh, impeachment investigation of Cuomo. Tonight, New York State Republicans are calling that impeachment investigation a sham, saying there is more than enough evidence right now to impeach him. They're also pointing to multiple scandals, including the multiple allegations of sexual harassment and Turn it up. Turn it on.
who probably aren't what you're picturing. Yeah, NBC's Kelly Cobiea introduces us to the teens giving influencers a good name. These guys are dedicated. When you think about climate change, climate science, it's a complicated topic, right? But they are boiling it down into messages that are like seconds long, and it's really taking off. Take a closer look at TikTok these days, and you'll see a lot more than goofy dance crazes. This is what a climate crisis looks like. There's only 73 southern resident killer whales left. Climate change is cool. The new influencers are activists like Mike Brown and Earthtopia. Right, so I, you brought up the police in your speech a few times. Um, so what is your... Like, what is your main concern? Since, I mean, no. honestly, the whole reason police, I mean, it, it, it is systemic. The issue is systemic because the whole reason we have police departments in the first place, where did it stem from? What's our history? Going back to what Jeremy was talking about, what, where it was, what does it stem from? It stems from people in the South wanting to capture runaway slaves. Maybe they shouldn't be heroes. Maybe they don't belong on a kid's show. Uh, so I disagree with the what Jeremy, Jeremy said about it because uh, I think cops are heroes and they have to have a difficult job. But we have to have all of them. Life. Oh, I, I'm not. I mean, I'd say uh, a good majority of them. You have bad people in every business and every yeah, part. Yeah. Well, wait, a wait, lot wait, of wait, police wait. officers have committed atrocious crimes and have gotten away with it and have never been convicted of any of it. And, and I say for the person who has family members who are police officers. Yes, I, I understand. Um, and this is what I believe. This is my opinion. And this is you know, not popular to say, but uh, I do support our police. We have bad people and the people that do bad things should be brought to justice. I agree with that. But I think that I uh, say I'm saying it again. They haven't. Well, I agree with you on that point of they should, right? So what is and your bottom line point? You're saying police officers should be revered, viewed as heroes? They I, belong I on TV shows with children? That's I think they are happen. heroes in a sense because they come to your need and they come and help you. And they have a problem just like every other business, but we should fix that. But so we started with some influencer who loved Cuomo and now is doing a Pasaki. I gotta play those. Daily caller with people in Minneapolis. You saw the green from the Today Show, and then a professor from Cypress University going off because a kid says they're heroes. It came from Chrissy Clark. Replies that arrogant bitch needs to meet the female detective who made sure my daughter's abuser got life in prison. She should also meet my cop uncle. Oh, wait. He was killed by a drug dealer. Of course, that's just how they are. This is from my sister, and I'm going to blow it up for a second, and this is what they're doing with bathrooms because there's been so much gender-neutral uh, stuff. But I, I want to show that. Is that you're shitting so bad that you're starting a vortex? I don't even know what that symbol is. I wouldn't know what to do if I saw that on a toilet. But it's supposed to be toilet and urinal. And then my brother sent me this, and this is fucking way funny. Because it's true. There was a brawny guy. Now there's three brawny girls. Because you had to have a black, a Latino, and a white. Because we're super woke now. Yeah, that's good shit.
Then some quick hits before we get into some interesting stuff. This is from Vogue. That's these people. This is what they think. Environmental vandalism. And then Vox. This is a real thing. We've covered this on the show before. Of pets. They want to take your dogs and your cats. Because you're evil. Okay. That sounds great. Let me, uh, well, you know, I should have just gone the right way. Let's get back in order. I, I had these in here and I forgot to put them in. So let's get to woke. And we'll do that in a second. So, um, we start off with the usual shit. School district tells principals to create fake curriculum to send to parents after complaints of indoctrination. Prior to the pandemic, you didn't need everything home, or you didn't send everything home or have it available. You taught in your classroom, and things were peachy keen. We're going old school. Yeah. Faced with complaints of parents about the indoctrination of children, an official in Redwood Rockwood School District in Missouri instructed teachers to create fake curriculum. Natalie Fowler, EDD 6-12 Literacy Speech Coordinator, wrote to all middle and high school principals that parents had repeatedly complained that we are pushing an agenda. We're pushing critical race theory. I had to look this one up. We're making white kids feel bad about their privilege. We're stereotyping. We're teaching kids to be social activists, and we're teaching kids to be democratic thinkers and activists. Activist. Democratic, uh, like that's a bad thing to pick a party. I mean, come on. It's supposed to be indoctrinating. The problem was that the first time parents could see what was happening. The solution. This doesn't mean throw out the lesson and find a new one. Just pull the resources off Canvas so parents can't see it. Keep teaching. Just don't make everything visible on Canvas. This is not being deceitful. This is just doing what you have done for years. Prior to pandemic, you didn't send everything, blah, blah, blah. You could duplicate an entry lesson in Canvas, making two copies, publish one for the whole class that is the lean version of the lesson. The original that had all the stuff on it could be published and only assigned to specific students if needed. Or you could specifically email these students a copy of what they need. The reason I say make a copy, you can publish a new one that has less information on it. Then for that kid who is all virtual and needs all full lessons, you can publish it and assign it only to that kid. Anything that could be picked apart, I would suggest using this above approach. Again, I wouldn't throw it out, but you could just not give them access to the story. When you get to power imbalance, you might remove the two examples and just go over them in class. I hate that we are having to have this conversation 29 days and counting. This is the difference between lefties and conservatives. They're my children, not your children. But this is just not blue states. You see, that's Missouri. Texas school district shames white students as part of a cultural competence. Parents are enraged, but they can't stop it. Education secretary added teachers to advisory board to ensure their support of woke curriculum because it's coming from the top and moving its way down. I remember all this stuff that was so important. Black Lives Matter protesters block traffic, clash with police. That's okay. Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Why did you crop Ashton Howard's photo? So I'm going to flip back and show this. This is what they're doing to push their agenda. They're going to push their agenda by doing this kind of stuff. That's the photo he's speaking of. This is a Facebook photo 
of an individual. He's holding a gun. To make him look like he's a victim, they crop the fucking gun out. Because you can't push the narrative that cops are just willy-nilly going around and killing people if it's not true. Hmm. Interesting approach. He's a convicted felon. There's a story. They redid the whole thing. And then we got Pasaki. White House respectfully, dis- respectfully disagrees with Catholic Church position that it's wrong to use aborted babies for research. But he's the most Catholic ever. We're just in upside down times. See, YouTube CEO wins free expression award, and rarely do I grab Ted Cruz, but he says we're being trolled. He's right. Tulane University, as you've heard everywhere, is going to have Hunter Biden on media polarization. A guy who was caught doing all sorts of shit, felonies the whole nine yards now, and the media suppressed the story for an election. Hannah race hustler Nicole Jones. She's joining the UNC Journalism School. Because it's important that we, all right, literally break down. It's really important for the narrative just to lie and make facts up. DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has launched a comprehensive internal review to address the threat of domestic violent extremism within the department, which basically, if you read this story, what I took from it was this. If you're conservative, you're gone like Donkey Kong. You're just gone like donkey fucking Kong, because you're a garbage human being. You're garbage. You don't vote the way we want you to. Mm. Colleagues, I think I put my glasses on. Our department plays a critical role in keeping our community safe and secure, performing our homeland security mission, blah, 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 blah. Recent events, including January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, highlighted the domestic violent extremism that poses the most lethal and persistent terrorism-related threat to our country. Addressing this threat is an urgent priority of the Biden-Harris administration who need it so they can continue to do their unconstitutional shit. That's my words, not his. As we work to safeguard the nation, our values must be vigilant in our effort to identify and combat domestic extremism within both the broader community and our organization. Given the evolving threat landscape and great risk posed by domestic violent extremism, including to our employees and operations, I directed the department to immediately begin a review of how to best prevent, detect, and respond to domestic violence extremism threats within the DHS. The team managing this internal effort, led by our chief security officer, will report back to me with recommendations. In the coming days, DHS leadership will communicate additional information and guidance. You bring great honor to DHS. We will not let hateful acts of violent extremism like trespassing get in the way of that. No trespassing. Elon Musk to be on Saturday Night Live. Cass throws major side eye 
Bowen Yang, Andrew Dismooks, and A.D. Bryant as some subtle and not-so-subtle digs. They don't want him on the show because he's not woke enough. Elon Musk, a guy who does green cars. Okay. And remember... This isn't the extremism. I'll do this every damn show. That's not extremism. We don't need to worry about this. This is not important. None of these babies are important. It's not important. Why would this be important? Black on black crime, little black children killed. It's still about cops. Oh, We have 18 now. I don't think I have the last one. That's not a problem. We don't have a problem in America. 18. Just this year. That's not nothing we need to look at. Just look at those cops. They're the ones. Which brings us to our This Is America. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America. 2021. Yeah, this is America. Runs in my area. I got the strap. I agree with you. I'm working on it, man. Give me another five days. Looking for my mask. I'm in trouble. You'll get it after the fact. But come on over here. You're gonna stand. Is there any regulation? Show me the regulation where it says I don't have to stand in the picture. picture. I've been more than accommodating. And at this yeah. point, hey, and I appreciate then, it. Then why are you being difficult, man? Just show, it's a picture. Hey, just I gotta show, take it. You know I gotta take it. I don't have to show you anything. In the regiment, in the, in the, so show me in y'all stuff where it says I have to wear a mask in my pictures. I know it's not in there. I just want to, I just want to hear it. You're right, because you can't wear a mask in the picture. So I want to see it. So, I'm not showing you anything. We're beyond this point. Huh? Okay? We're beyond this point. We're not Yeah, because now you're not complying with orders, so now you're changing the demeanor, demeanor of this place, right? No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're, asking you're failing. Show me where it I'm, says I, I said no. Mask. I'm not showing you it's this. Kind of, the governor literally says we have to wear masks. Believe me, the governor knows about this right now. They know about this. Yeah. And everything is being recorded. No, Gretchen called us, bud. She called you? Yeah, so you better start complying before Gretch finds out, bud. Even worse, because guess what? You know what? Big Gretch is the homie. 
Okay. If she finds out about this, she might be a little upset about the treatment. So I'm finding out because she's very serious oh, about the pandemic. Oh, I don't think she has to worry about she's that. Very about, she's very serious about the pandemic. So I'm just wondering, can I wear the mask? You cannot wear the mask while you're getting your picture taken because I can't can take a picture. That's, I'm not showing you anything. Listen, man. This is the last time I'm asking you. The next time I'm telling you, and after that... Well, you all will have to hold me over there if, 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 if it does. I'm not you holding you. You can't find in the regulations. See, I can't wait to show this to the, to the governor. Show, you want I, to show it to her. If you can't huh. find it, where it's codified, where it says I have to wear a mask, I'm not going to stand over there. Listen. I'll stand over there and let you all hold my arms, but I won't stand over there by myself. So, hey, so you keep getting closer. I just want to let you know. If you don't have to get closer, just let me know. You all will hold my arms, and I'll stand over there and let you all... What the fuck is that? You don't have to do everything they say. You understand that, right? Not everything they say you have to do. It's okay to tell them to go fuck off. It's just a bunch of fucking people screaming. They'll keep screaming and coming up with more shit to bitch about. I I just don't understand this guy. He he, you you know it, it comes back to the the. It, it comes back to the, he doesn't have a fucking center. There, there's no center on this man. He, he just is so old. He, he just wants to be president. And anything that might take away that, because it's clearly obvious he's not in charge. He's not running anything. Other people are running him, and he's afraid they're going to get the shepherd's crook out, and he's going to go bye bye, and they'll put her in because he's senile as fuck. Blood pressure medicine. Gotta take it. It's a silent killer, they say. So, let's end on some positives. Zarif had no knowledge of Israeli strikes until Kerry told him. Translation reveals there. this is breaking. An audio tape has been released and converted to English. And guess what? Kerry did tell him. We'll see next podcast if anybody picks it up other than Fox. CNN Business launches internal investigation into treatment of women workplace culture. All because of that. This is America in 2019. Dana Lowe slams Texas school and parents revolt after number one school district tries to institutionalize racism. They are just blowing the fuck up. It's a different one than the earlier one. That's fantastic. Judicial Watch reveals California urged big tech to censor election, and they're now suing. Ostoff was on video saying Facebook has too much power. Sports torn apart by the constant bombardment of leftist ideology. Ideology, I can't speak English. Patriot Super Bowl champ talks woke spork. And this is... Uh Jake Baquette. Atlanta police officer saves a man in a burning car in wild body cam footage. I'm not going to show the footage. This is how far our liberal media goes. It's not a white guy. It's a black cop. 
you think this would be something they'd want to air, a black cop saving white people. And they can make a quip about how bad white people are and America's fucking horrible and, you know, the, the usual shit we deal with on a daily basis in this country from our woke-ass media. But no, 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 we're not going to. We're not even going to talk about that. Black group, in which I don't remember, leadership group. Biden used black Americans to ascend to the White House, but has basically turned his back on them. Member of the 21, a 25-year-old group that is initiative of the National Center for Public Policy. I literally want to, um, once again, state emphatically, he has... But he still top tips his hat to you every day with America is a racist cesspool of assholes. So, shut your mouth. And then last but not least, if you can get your hands on it, Base Camp bans internal social and political conversations. And I was going to play it, but we're way over today. It was on Ben Shapiro. And understand, that is about as liberal as you fucking can get. And they just got sick of it. They realized they put up these, like, internal things. We had one in Cav that I wasn't invited to because I wasn't a cool kid. And everybody talks, and you have political conversations. It's supposed to be a work-thinking group that you can instantly go, hey, uh, marketing, um, I'm in charge of uh, retail. Hey, well, what about an idea if we do a uh, free pair of boots or free pair of socks when you buy a boot? Or can I get something from... Uh, uh, Blackhawk boots were really popular back in my day when I was in retail. Can they throw in a free koozie or some shit? But it all, invariably in these liberal organizations turns into America sucks. Look at me. I'm more woke. Look how woke I am. Hey, black friends, I'm super down with you, and I know white people are garbage. And they banned it. They just said there'll be no more. People blew up, got all upset, and they said, we don't fucking care. This is a workplace. We're done with this social fucking engineering crap. And that is so awesome. Because if you're talking a Silicon Valley organization or any of these tech companies, eventually it's the bottom line. The only reason why this is okay in Amazon and Google and Apple is they make so much goddamn money whether they fucking put out a good product or not. I mean, Google owns us. They know they own us. What are we going to do? You can't buy a phone that isn't Android. I mean, what are you going to do? So they're going to be total ass hats, and they can put out, you know, they're going to hand me, you know, this bottle of Vicks and say it's a Pixel 25. Most of these fucking idiot kids are going to go buy it and then say, oh, it's a piece of shit, so I'll just wait till 26 comes out. And then I want to really end on a positive soundbite. Uh, I watched the Gutfeld show. I think it's really funny. It's not super political. I know it's on Fox and Fox is evil, but he's just a funny guy. And Tyrus on the Tim Scott was just, well, listen for yourself. You know, Tyrus, I'm going to go to you first because you have been on a couple of days. How did you like the speeches? Right, I'm going to keep it real. I watched them both to their entirety. Yes. No matter how much it... I wanted to. I sat through it. And I wanted to prove a point to myself. So uh, there were some things in Biden's speech that I actually thought were all right. I, I think we should start our kids early. I do like the sound of uh, three going to school at three years old. I think it does give us a competitive edge. Get them out of the house. Yeah, too, I don't Paris. know about the free college afterwards, but I kind of think when you get older, you need to work your way and go through some bumps. I, I don't know about the free school. But there were some things that I was like, okay, not bad. Mm-hmm. 
Then Brother Scott came on, and I was like, wow, mm-hmm. nice job. But both guys, the president and Mr. Scott, were pushing bipartisanship. Right. At the same time, protecting their brand. Mm-hmm. I also watched an old white man standing on, standing on a podium speaking with a woman of color, a really old white woman, <laughs> as one and two in case something goes wrong. <laughs> and then the, the rebuttal from the Republican Party was a proud black man. I'm sitting in my chair and I'm going, wow, we made it. Mm-hmm. That's as equal opportunity as you can get. And we're represented. Wow, nice job. But then I watched what happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. No one was interested in bipartisanship. They went after Tim Scott. They didn't go after Biden. And what I've learned in, in all our equality, what we've learned now is that racism is not just for white people anymore. <laughs> Calling him Uncle Tim, then I'll be Uncle Tyrus with him mm-hmm. because he preached the same thing. He told the truth. This is not a racist country. We all have obstacles. We all have issues. Somebody might hate you because of the color of your skin or the size of your belly or the sex you are or your orientation. We all got it, but we all have equal opportunities. And in that chamber that night, we saw the opportunities. Mm -hmm. But that's not what mainstream media was interested in. All they wanted to do was tear it up. I listened to so-called black men who call themselves liberals and fighter for freedom and opportunity, trash him like he was ignorant and he was a white man's dog. Where does that language come from? That was back in the Jim Crow era. That's how they talked and it was acceptable. Now they do it politely because why? The brother had a difference of opinion. And it's disgusting. I was saddened by what these so-called news anchors, not opinion like this. Yeah. We tell jokes and we own it and we give our opinion. They push themselves as anchors of people of the news of the people. And all they did was push a narrative because, unfortunately, division sells. They couldn't say both guys were eloquent. Both guys had a lot to say, and we can build from this moment because you know what? That doesn't sell, and that was sad to me. Mm, very poignant. That was deep. Now, I disagree with this point that Biden was, you know, trying to reach across the aisle. He's not. He's doing the usual liberal reach across the aisle, which is, you can join us, but we're doing this. Republicans are stupid, and they actually do compromise. And in this world, you can't anymore. You just can't compromise. I mean, I started the show with Liz Cheney. She spent four years ensuring Trump would never get reelected. Then quickly, she tried to go back to her Republican roots and say Biden's foreign policy is garbage. And then she fist bumps him. No, no. He's saying the same thing Trump's saying, but it's a nicer way. When you get up in front of the American people and say America's a garbage fire of racism and what happened January 6th is worse than all the ills and perils of the war on terror, no, no, you're not being bipartisan. You're not speaking truth. Everything he's done is far left. I mean, that last, this is America, sweet fucking God, he will abolish ICE. In a short time, he'll do everything they want on the far left. And nobody elected him to do that. But the conduct with Tim Scott, which I will play his first 15 minutes on the next podcast, 
abhorrent. Nothing he said was extreme. He was more eloquent, more well-spoken. He is the first person that's ever pulled that off in my lifetime. I mean, do you remember this? The drink with Rubio and everybody they've thrown up there has failed miserably. He did fantastic. I'd vote for him for president, and before I thought he was just a good dude, but I didn't know a whole lot about him because he didn't speak that much. He's like, you know, not my senator. I know I don't like my senator. She's a piece of shit. I had our soundbite on here. I didn't play it because all she does is go on and talk about media bias, but she doesn't ever... What has she done? She's a Pelosi. She's been in Congress forever, but she's accomplished nothing. Nothing. But Tim Scott is working across the aisle. He was the first one to take up something. And you could say it's tokenism or whatever, but you know what? The left does tokenism too. They went with the whole squad thing and then crushed them and told them to shut the fuck up until election time came and then they unleashed the hounds. Yes, I did do a dog reference because all of them are dogs. The left, who says what you can say and not to say, and as I've said before, spends their whole time, and where the fuck is it? Bless a, bless a, bless a, bless a, bless a. Do I not have it? No, I don't have it. Damn it. Oh, it's up here in Cliff Notes. Let me make my point. Yeah, get up here. That's the left. That's the left. And they were all over Twitter saying, Uncle Tim. How is that acceptable? How? How is that acceptable? For Twitter, for 11 hours. And I know I streamlined this podcast with so much information. I got a contractor here. I'm unloading garbage. I, you know, I've been up and down out of this booth about 400 times because we had to do our air conditioning cleaning and my wife went grocery shopping and blah, blah, blah. Oh, and I had to decorate. It's a birthday tomorrow. How is that tolerated? How is that okay? It disproves the theory that we have a white supremacist problem in the conservative party. There are no extremists trying to take down the Capitol. A bunch of people fucking trespassed. They're still locked in jail for 23 hours a day. People burn the country down. They're free. They're killing cops right now. And you're good with it. I mean, I didn't even do my Latino attacks. Illegal immigrants killing people. Three more of those this week. We don't have facts. And Tyrus and Tim Scott had facts. And no, I don't want to vote for Tim Scott because Tim Scott's a black guy. I'm not in the GOP. I think he'd be good president because he's kind of moderate. He's in between things. And he can speak to reality. There are problems in our country, but we're not racist. The vice president agreed. We're not a racist country. 
we were a racist country at a time when Democrats were in charge of the South and they installed Jim Crow. And it seems like it's bred into their youth because that, as Tyra said, is what they did on Twitter. So, this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please share with your family and friends. Go to foppodcast.com for the last today's show and the last show and audio and video. You can go to the links and go to Rumble and see seven shows. And you can go to SoundCloud and see 500 and some odd shows all in audio. Saw a lot of back counts. There was uh, 350 listens one day, but I don't know where they were because it didn't say what episodes it was. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah uh, yes. We're going to go with... Uh, Let's do a Tuesday show for May, year of our Lord, 2021, because I'm getting my first vaccine on the 5th, so we can start traveling. Uh, we want to go to Pensacola Beach, got to get a vaccine, so I got to get a vaccine. I'm going to start doing my shots on the 5th, which I had to research myself to find out how to do it, because they never called us, because we're white, and they just don't give a fuck in the Army. It all changed from phone calls to, yeah, you're white, go fuck yourself. So it's an undisclosed location. Uh, they'll send us a building number. It's really weird. It's a little cloak and dagger just to get a fucking shot, but whatever. As always, thank you all for listening, and you take care. <laughs>